Hello and welcome, friends, to th this special Martin Luther King Jr. Day edition of Sustainability Now. My name is Justin Mogg. You're listening to Forward Radio, your community radio station, people-powered community radio. And we are broadcasting at 106.5 FM from the historic Habern building. We're also live streaming anywhere you are on this MLK weekend. You can find us at forwardradio.org. You'll also find archives of all of our local programs there and share those podcasts out with your friends. If you hear something you love on Forward Radio, you can go to forwardradio.org and, and find a replay and uh, share it out with your friends. Uh, well, what we do each week here on Sustainability Now is bring in folks from around the community who are doing work in different different areas of sustainability and January is human trafficking awareness month and that's what we are going to talk about today it's uh, actually nationally slave national slavery and human trafficking awareness month excuse me uh, and for that purpose uh, I've brought in a representative of path people against trafficking humans coalition right here in Kentucky dr. Teresa Hayden welcome back to forward radio Thank you. It's so much glad to be here. And I always love talking about this topic. It's near and dear to my heart. As tough as it is, yeah. um, I think people need to know and learn a lot about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't think I've had you on Sustainability Now before, but I've spoken with you on other programs on this station about this issue. Uh, and, you know, people might be asking, sustainability, that's about the environment. Well, no, it's about social justice just as much as it is about fixing our relationship with the environment. It's about fixing broken relationships. And certainly the existence of modern day slavery, the existence of human trafficking, what could more directly point to a breakdown in our society? Right. I mean, this this is a fundamental problem that we need to address. And this is the month to do it. Uh, Dr. Hayden is a treasurer of people against trafficking humans, uh, which you can find out more about at Path Coalition of KY.org. She's also a retired professor from UofL's criminal justice department and now full time at Marshall University in West Virginia. You want to talk quickly about what Marshall is doing with online social work? I'd love to. Mar yeah. Marshall has uh, had the social work program, bachelor's and master's program, for several years. Um, <clears throat> when I retired at UofL, they invited me to join their faculty as online to develop a fully online program in social work. And so that I'm teaching in that now. And their program is uh, fantastic and, you know, developing good social workers all over the country with, with that. There and, of go. course, I took my human trafficking course there and um, in, enriching students, more students in that area. Yeah. Uh, and you're still involved locally here in PATH. Uh, and PATH is trying to raise awareness throughout the month uh, and co-sponsoring several events coming up. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about those coming up. One this week on, on January 19th, uh, there's going to be an event with La Casita Center. Uh, I'll tell you more about that a little later in the program. Um, do you know a little bit about this history of uh, National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month? Well, you know, human trafficking is, is not new. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've, we've had exploitation <laughs> of people for thousands of years. Uh, but what has happened through the years is globally, and then, of course, in the United States, we've passed legislation. Not all countries have laws against uh, uh, exploiting of people, but the United States does. And our federal legislation evolved um, 
when Congress passed in the year 2000, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. Uh, okay. That act came as a result of work from the United Nations at a global level of looking at how the increase of exploitation was happening across the world. And we first had the Palermo Protocol and then some other um, <clears throat> legislation and works that developed from that. So since 2000, the United States Congress has approved and appropriated the renewal of the federal legislation. Because of that is why we're hearing so much more about the human trafficking in the United States. Because with that became a federal crime. Mm. And that brought it to prominence and relevance for law enforcement, for prosecutors, for service agencies to recognize this as a crime. Hmm. That's why we're hearing so much about it. And that's really how the Human Trafficking Awareness Month came to be. Okay. It might be helpful for our listeners, especially since I haven't covered this issue in depth on my program before, to just sort of start with a definition of human trafficking uh, and, and give us a feel for what what the universe of human trafficking is here these days. Well, that, that's a great, great, great way to start, uh, Justin. Yeah. The TVPA, as we call that, there's three criteria, force, fraud, or coercion, to exploit another human being and some type of use of that. After the federal legislation, each state has individually passed their own laws. They're all still based on the definition is you're forcing someone, you're work getting manipulating them through uh, for the fraud or then coercion. So what does that look like? Force is um, using some type of physical means of making someone um, do labor or sell things or sexually do, you know, for the, for a benefit of another person. Mm, okay. Fraud might look like, well, we we're going to promise you this job, come work for us. And then that's not a really job when you get there. Mm. <clears throat> for an example, I'm going to use, try to pull out some recently prosecuted cases from the DOJ office. Uh, there's a, a, network of farmers Kentucky is one of the five states maybe Georgia Tennessee that there was uh, brought the a ring that was bringing immigrants into farm labor they were promising them jobs and once they got them there they they were then manipulated mm. to staying because they'd either paid some money to be there or they had nowhere to go they lose their papers and then coercion is well, you've done this before me before. I know where your kids are. I know where your parents are. And if you don't do it now, I'm going to kill them. Wow. Or some type of threat of that sense. So that gives a, some clarity, I think, on the definition, force, fraud, or coercion. Hmm. And does it always involve physical moving and the word trafficking um, it sort of implies crossing borders It does or not like that. In involve physical movement at all. Wow. Okay. It can absolutely happen right there in your neighborhood. It's just a matter of the trafficking is the selling exploitation of a person. Okay. You do not have to move them. Okay. It's like I'm using you to benefit me in some way. Yeah. I'm either getting my food stamps or I'm getting my rent paid. And wow. we're seeing this a lot with a uh, foster care system. Oh. And we have statistics and data on this to show that this, this is an ongoing issue. <clears throat> and that would be a force of coercion manipulation. It's just like um, 
people are, are it's very difficult to even say <laughs> yeah. selling exploiting their young children wow. for a boyfriend whatever to do some kind of favors in return for food money or wow. payment of rent yes and you're you're saying th- that people in the foster care system have been documented to be doing this yes i i am saying that wow and we have some statistics. Don't ask me to throw them off the top of my head right, right now, <laughs> but I do know that. PATH, fortunately, is beginning to work within that system to begin to do some training and raising awareness for the people who are becoming foster parents or people who are involved in that. We want to address this issue, and that's why that's the mission of PATH. Yeah. So I can talk and tell you what the problems are, but we also want to work to save those absolutely yeah. and this is and, a this yeah. is a solutions focused radio yes, show yes. so and, i'm so delighted i could tell by that. looking at your face no one else could see your face <laughs> <laughs> that you were quite taken back by what i said about foster care parents it's shocking it's but shocking. we do have documentation on that wow okay so a way forward in a situation like that 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 path suggests is maybe not even a policy it's not that it's we don't have good policies. It's that people are not aware and educated. You are absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. It's not that we don't have the policies or the legislation because we do. It's people are not aware of what it looks like. Yeah. And people are not aware of how it happens. Because frankly, good people, <laughs> like you saw on my face, cannot hardly even imagine <laughs> yes. uh, the cruelty required. Yes. To, to it's use almost the incomprehensible. It's almost incomprehensible. It's exactly. almost incomprehensible. And that's just one small example of the way the trafficking exploitation of people takes place. Yeah. Now, the, the policies, we talked about not needing new policy, but you're saying that policies vary across states. So I'm wondering if Kentucky and Indiana, our region, could use some better policies. I think policy can always be improved. Okay. And we can work on that. The federal legislation was passed in the year 2000. Kentucky passed our human trafficking law in 2006. Oh, okay. And basically, that's a very short time period. Yeah. <laughs> and we were ahead of the game. <laughs> All right. We were, Kentucky was one of the leaders in passing really? the state, yes, passing state legislation. Well, good on you, Commonwealth. Good, All right. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So as more and more states got on board with passing their own laws, and we do have 50 state laws now. Yeah. They're all very similar to the federal legislation, but then there might be just specific to the to a state. Okay. So you're not running into a lot of differences. Okay. What happened as we began these laws began to pass, we recognized that minors anyone under the age of 18 years old <clears throat> were being exploited or being charged with criminally for prostitution this type of thing and that just they cannot give their permission to do this so then states began to pass what's called the safe harbor laws and again kentucky is ahead of the game wow (laughs) go commonwealth so in 2013 kentucky passed the safe harbor legislation now i'm familiar with safe harbor on the radio that's different what's this safe harbor law the safe harbor decriminalizes youth anyone under the ages of 18 years of age who might be caught in criminal activity oh okay and it's related to someone who's 
force, fraud, or coercion to get them to do something in order to meet their basic needs. And what you're pointing to is the issue of blaming the victim. Our system often does that where we end up penalizing and incarcerating the the victims. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So our juvenile justice systems have begun to recognize this, and we have attorneys and prosecutors who are more focused on when they find youth who are in criminal activity to look deeper at this and what's going on. But surely it's not just youth victims that are being blamed. Adult victims must also be getting criminalized, right? Oh, absolutely. The difference is when you're over 18, you're considered an adult. Right. And you can make choices. Yeah. Now, the ironic part of that is we have a lot of youth, young people, who are maybe aging out of the system. And automatically on their 18th birthday, they're an adult were the day before they were not. And this is some of the differences there. Yeah. Which it's a technicality, but it's it's very real. Mm -hmm. It's very real. I don't want to keep going back to state systems, but these are some of the very um, extreme, highly vulnerable people. Right. We have youth. Right. Who are in situations that makes them vulnerable to being manipulated, yeah. <laughs> to being used for someone's benefit. Yeah. And, of course, it's the universe of vulnerable people who suffer most from human trafficking. Exactly. Right? These aren't, Absolutely. These aren't white, rich, wealthy men who and are getting trafficked. Right? That's, that's, <laughs> uh, I cannot cite you a case of a white, rich, wealthy man <laughs> who's been trafficked. I can cite you a lot of other cases. <laughs> Yeah. Of other demographics. Yes, you're so right. Well, let's let's call those out. Um, obviously, people in poverty, youth. Uh, what other demographics do we see well, the, more? The people of color, minorities, yeah. definitely are at high risk because they lack the resources that so many of uh, others of us have. And the benefits. You have LGBTQ communities, people, young people whose family um, just describe them yeah. once they come out in the open yeah they have no place to go there might be looking for s- trying to survive by yep. sleeping over with whoever's kind enough to offer them a place yeah well that kind person is quite often a trafficker and it's like okay you've been here several days now you owe me for something yeah. okay <laughs> i need you to go out and sell these drugs i need you to do this wow. selling of drugs is a labor trafficking violation okay and when you're forcing someone into that situation, that's another example. Mm. Houseless folks, uh, disabled folks, I imagine they're all yes. overrepresented in the demographics. They are absolutely track. because they lack the resources and opportunities so uh, that so many of us others have in mm. the world. My guest today here on Sustainability Now, Dr. Teresa Hayden from People Against Trafficking Humans Coalition of Kentucky, or PATH. You can learn more about them at pathcoalitionofky.org. We're raising awareness today because January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Uh, PATH is co-sponsoring several events coming up this month. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, But it's also Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're celebrating the Civil Rights Movement uh, in the history of that in in the U.S., um, there was a lot of unfinished business with the civil rights movement, right? And a lot of marginalized folks are still lacking basic civil rights. Um, does it make sense to put that to put human trafficking in that context today? It 
absolutely makes sense, Justin, and I'm glad you framed it like that. You know, I was a teenager in the civil rights era, mm. <laughs> and I vividly remember so much of, of that chaos and, and every change that was going on. But I went on with my life during the 70s and 80s, and I was not so much aware that we failed to follow up appropriately with the changes that we needed that Martin Luther King began and processed. Yeah. And that's where American is we're stuck. Yeah. We have not looked at those oppressive situations that create the social injustice that we see so much of. That leads into then the human trafficking. Those racism, all of the isms that we think about are still there. It's mm. very relevant for today, very mm. relevant and connects closely with the work of Martin Luther King. Mm. So if you want to get involved in fighting for civil rights today, you can get involved in the PATH Coalition of Kentucky for sure. Um, and we're talking about this this history in the U.S., but of course, human trafficking, I mean, I want to zoom out for just a moment. This is also an international issue. There's people trafficked across borders. They're getting a lot of media attention these days. Um, and we, we were talking about policy in the U.S. being pretty good. What about when we step back and look more globally? You know, I'm really glad you brought that up because we do have a lot of immigrants who are coming. Many of them are walking here. Wow, yeah. And they're being exploited in many ways. But one of my... Um, Ways that I really like to bring out to my students and, and raise the awareness on exploitation, where are you getting your chocolate? Where are you getting your fish and your coffee? These raw products yeah. are being produced by exploitation in many countries around the world. Yeah, Many children are, in, are sold by their parents simply for survival taking to cocoa plantations on the Ivory Coast, and they're there picking the cocoa bean that then is produced by Hershey's chocolate, the Godiva chocolates. So many of these chocolate companies, even today, are not following social justice guidelines. Mm. And they're still working out of and, and working with these exploiters to produce our chocolates, mm. produce our coffee beans, our fish. <laughs> yeah. And I like to bring this out because that's a way that we're all part of it and we don't realize we're yes. part of it. When I'm teaching the course around Halloween or, or Valentine's Day, I love it because it gives me the opportunity to bring the chocolates to the classroom <laughs> that are coming from fair trade or sustainability situations rather than let's buy no more of the Hershey's. Let's buy no more of these uh, products that are coming from without any kind of sense of respect for human beings. Yeah. We all love getting a good deal as consumers, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all taught, mm -hmm. you know, in the U.S. that our, right. you know, our main goal is to get a great price on something, get it really cheap. Yeah. And the 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 pain behind that cheapness is always hidden from us. Uh, and the suffering, whether it's trafficked people and child labor, uh, either domestically or abroad, uh, but also things like the carbon footprint. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and until someone tells us this, we don't know it yeah. because we don't see it. Yep. And 10 years ago, I didn't know it, right. and I wasn't aware of it. There's not a big advertising budget no. for human trafficking. <laughs> right. And the fisheries, you know, uh, 
we're in the middle of January right now. We're looking towards moving towards Lent, which is a huge time for people of any religions, really. It's kind of promoted of the, the yeah, fish. Yeah, the fish fries, the Friday fish well, fries, right? Well, yeah. most of our bulk fish is produced by f- boat people who are trafficking, exploiting someone to pull that fish out of the ocean wow. for us. So Up there I, on the high seas in international mm-hmm, waters where yes. uh, laws and enforcement get kind of fuzzy, right? Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Yes. It's easy to get mm-hmm. someone on a boat with a little enticement and then who's there to, to watch over that? Exactly. And I guess a broader question, and we talked about policy being pretty good. Who's in charge of enforcing these kinds of policies? Is this, you know, a Louisville Metro police officer supposed to be enforcing human trafficking rules? Or, I mean, how does this work? You know, I love that question. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, we can have laws. We can have legislation. <laughs> but it really comes down to the consumer. This is a supply and demand. And like you said, we all like our cheap products. We all like it inexpensive. But it, 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 it's up to us to enforce it. It's up for us to learn how we're destroying the environment, how we're, uh, you know, obstructing this type of, of, of process going on in the world. It's, it's up to us to enforce it. It's because once you know, you cannot not know. Yeah. Which means not looking away yes that's right? exactly right i think right. we so often see suffering in our community and we're just struggling to get by ourselves maybe uh we just don't feel like we have the bandwidth to look it in the eye but that's how the abuse continues right yes that's exactly how it continues whether it's at our local level in our neighborhood or if it's at the global level one way or the other there's always somebody out there who's going to take advantage of those less fortunate who are highly exploited that cannot overcome the oppressive systems Mm. yeah you're so right well i think we've we've set up the problem situation here pretty well i mean we could talk all day but (laughs) about how this how this looks the human trafficking and modern day slavery issues look i mean they, they they take so many different forms and it's also depressing but we're a solutions-focused station, so let's talk about the work of PATH. Uh, how long has PATH been around? What do y'all do? PATH Incorporated as a nonprofit in 2014. It began as from a group of uh, the religious sisters, women in this community, who were following the crest of, of Pope Francis to look more at human trafficking and what was happening in the world. And uh, the Ursuline Sisters, Sisters of Charity, and Dominican Sisters began to meet to discuss. And out of that developed the group that incorporated as a nonprofit and has continued to grow. And our purpose is to educate and raise awareness. So that's the roots and foundation of us. Um, and that's that's what we do. We try to do outreach to tell people just what I'm telling you and, and educate that. We like to go to organizations, communities. Just recently, we've done several presentations with Goodwill Industries of Kentucky. Oh, really? We, we've uh, did presentation with their uh, resource coaches in Bowling Green, Lexington, here in Louisville. And it was a real eye-opener for the staff people to hear about the laws and about what they might see with their clients who are coming in and how they could be exploited. Uh, we've done some other work with... Uh, other agencies we've done with well care we're beginning to work a little bit more closely with uh, the state 
uh, foster care system type of, and so we're that's what our work is is yeah. to educate the people who are on the front lines to see what they're not seeing now you're you're currently teaching at Marshall as we mentioned at the beginning in a social work program I wonder if even most social workers are aware of human trafficking and how it works. I love that you said that because they are not. Okay. <laughs> they are not. And I continue to teach this course at U of L as well because it is in high demand. Wow. When I first developed this course, maybe ten or twelve years ago, it was once one semester out of the year, mm. and the demand was high. And I said, "Well, why don't you just offer it every semester, and that'll take care of the the yeah. <laughs> request." Yeah. And so. <laughs> Every and that's includes summer. So three times a year, I'm rolling out this course. Uh, what happens the very first week is I have students to take what's called the slavery footprint and go in and yeah. see see what their footprint is of how many slaves work work for me oh. on a daily basis, and that that's the eye opener. That's the thing that says, oh, my God, I had no idea. I didn't know I was part of this problem. And that comes down to our cell phones, the batteries that go into our cell phones, the minerals that come from that. Again, the chocolate, these kind of things. So I open the minds to think about ways that people are exploited for our benefit in the world. And yes, most social workers have no clue. Wow. <laughs> yes. We will uh, add a link in the show notes to the podcast version of this program, which you can find at forwardradio.org. We'll add a link to that slavery footprint calculator you mentioned, because that is a really powerful place to begin this journey of exploration about the issue, right? It, it, it is. It's, it's, it really is a shocking thing. I think the first time I took it, my slavery footprint was maybe 50 some odd per day. And that was, wow. it was like, whoa, no, <laughs> what am I doing here? And from knowing that, then I begin to make choices of yeah. what I choose for my food, where I'm getting my food and my clothing products. So many of these things that I contribute to unknowingly. Wow. Okay, so a lot of social workers don't know about it. What about lawyers and people in the legal profession? Uh, um, no. <laughs> We're kind of at the same place. And in, you know, the criminal justice uh, students, many are going on into attorneys in, in the legal professions. Yeah. So I have opened their thinking and awareness to, to see this as a problem for what it is and understanding it, it is a crime. And, and going from there. So basically, Justin, I would say there is such a small portion of our population who understands yeah. what the human exploitation is. It's, it's not just this or that. Yeah. It is an exploitation misuse of other people for the, my benefit in some way or another. Well, I, I mentioned the legal profession, and the carceral system itself is a place where we can find exploitation of labor, right, and modern absolutely, slavery conditions. Absolutely, and again, there are some documented DOJ cases when that comes notable to people and then and charges, but it takes a while to have a case prosecuted. But we are making headways in this once first-line people begin to recognize and see what's going on. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, that's that's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. When I think about prison workers being paid just pennies, you know, an hour. When I think about wildland firefighters out west, a lot of them are prisoners who are sort of being exploited for their labor. It makes me think about 
bring up broader issues about like just not people pay, paying people a living wage. Can that be considered sort of a form of modern day slavery where people are not given enough for their labor, compensation for their labor to even sustain themselves? Well, and you bring up another really good point because a lot of times those uh, trafficking cases are marked off as wage and labor violations okay. when they are really violating the law, the letter of the law for the, the exploitation, the trafficking yeah. piece. Yeah. So being paid minimally, not a fair wage, is does not always apply to the human trafficking laws, but you're very you're walking a very close line when you do that. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is a form. It's a form of moving into that. Yes. And wage theft <clears throat> is wage, another way this yes. looks too, where you're promised wages. Maybe you're even like enticed to be a migrant worker, right? And then the the employer doesn't pay you what they promised or and that's exactly pay? it those are exact cases that would apply to the human trafficking law those people are picking our tomatoes yeah. they're picking our fruit they're picking the foods that we eat and that's another way that we contribute to the issue and problem my guest here on Sustainability Now, Dr. Teresa Hayden from People Against Trafficking Humans Coalition of Kentucky, or PATH. You can learn more about them at pathcoalitionofky.org. We're having this conversation here on Martin Luther King Jr. Day to highlight the importance of uh, continuing to address the issues of modern-day slavery and human trafficking in the ongoing civil rights movement. It wasn't done when the I Had a Dream speech was made. We have a lot more work to do, and this is a fantastic issue for people to focus on. Uh, I mean, there's so much more in civil rights we could talk about, right? But uh, certainly one important one that often only gets attention locally around derby time uh, because of sexual human trafficking, mm -hmm. right? But it's so much, so much broader than that. And I really honor the work of PATH to raise awareness, especially at a time like this in January, uh, about these issues. And PATH is, is co-sponsoring several events. It's time for me to highlight what those are, uh, some things coming up. Uh, we've already had some in the month, but coming up this Thursday, January 19th, PATH is co-sponsoring a cross-cultural hospitality training with La Casita Center in Old Louisville. Uh, that's on the 19th. It's online from 11 a.m to 1 p.m., a training focused on cultural sensitivity for those providing services to a diverse and multicultural audience, including information on local uh, cultural awareness and tools for best practices based on the firsthand experience of a local nonprofit for the immigrant and Latinx community. Uh, so anybody can join that, and I'll put a link to register for that in the show notes as well, which you can find at forwardradio.org. And then a little later in the month, I want to highlight the Human Trafficking 101 workshop, which is something that PATH has co-sponsored with uh, UofL's Women's Center uh, many semesters in a row, but it's open to everybody. It's coming up on Tuesday, January 24th, 5 to 7 p.m. online in and you can learn more about this interactive workshop on human trafficking and prevention at louisville.edu slash sustainability. Uh, Teresa, I wanted to ask, when you do some of these presentations, you saw my eyes light up when you started talking about human trafficking in the foster's care system. Do you get that kind of reaction a lot? Oh, I get that reaction a, a, a whole lot. <laughs> and I've learned to just use that reaction to further uh, 
get off script basically yeah. <laughs> and, and go with what I see is, is, is the reaction Yeah, and then begin to ask some questions. Also, once we begin to talk and in our presentation, we don't do a PowerPoint read off. We don't not kill you with PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we work with that reaction. Once I begin to lay out what define it, and then get some examples. People in the audience quite often speak to me and say, that happened to me. Oh, wow. I didn't know I was being trafficked. Wow. And they will go into details, maybe right there in the audience or privately during a break, and tell me what happened and how they were exploited and sold out. That's been a very common experience with my students as well. Because people don't understand when they're being used through force, fraud, or coercion in some way to trick and manipulate it through sexual favors or through some kind of labor work, yeah. that that's human trafficking. Yes. Huh. So that that is a common reaction. And it's it doesn't throw me off board anymore. <laughs> it's just like, okay, great. We, we've reached someone who didn't understand this before. Huh. Well, that makes me think about how trafficking can happen at all different sort of scales and intensities, right? Mm -hmm. This could be totally life ruining, or it could just be a brief moment, maybe a traumatizing moment, maybe some a moment someone didn't even know to put the words around. Um, it makes me think of like we talk about microaggressions. Is there micro trafficking happening? <laughs> Well, I, I suppose so. <laughs> I, I, we could probably go down that road if if we wanted to explore it. Yeah. Uh, but the people who are out there benefiting in some way, you know, it's, yeah. it's I, you know, I can think of multiple ways that people might benefit. It's not just cash money. This is a billion dollar business. Right, right, And right. quite often it is cash. Uh, wow. That this does happen. Yes. Wow. And I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, digital technology and the role that the Internet and social media and those kinds of things are playing so much of the lives of especially young people, but everybody now these days has lived online. And so what does human trafficking look like in that space? You know, in that space, um, the Facebook, the Twitter, so many of the, these things, young people in particular, not just young people, but they're especially vulnerable in that sense. They're maybe looking for a relationship, a connection, mm. someone that's caring about them that they can talk to. And someone would befriend them and say, "Oh, let me meet you somewhere, somewhere, and, and well, you know." And then they begin to uh, share gifts with them, or just buy them meals, things like this, that kind of build that bond and relationship, where they are. Then eventually, the next step is, "Well, I've done this for you. Now you you need to do this for me." Yeah. And they're they're already pulled into the bonding and trust there again that's a, the people that get pulled in through those kind of things are people who are easily uh, vulnerable they're more vulnerable perhaps in the need of some of their uh, meeting their basic needs for love and trust kind of thing um, so the inner the internet leads then to an opening door for someone to meet someone who fits into that criteria. Hmm. 
Does does that make some sense there of how this is used? Yeah. It's a gate opener. It's a gate opener, right. It's a gate opener, yes. It's a way of, of meeting. It's not on the street corner anymore. Yeah. But these young kids <laughs> who are kind of, and they're naive. Yeah. You know, they're naive. And it's like, oh, that person likes me or they're complimenting me and they appreciate me. And I just had a fight with my parents and right. this kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think parents today, we see it. They're like afraid to let their children walk out the door and, and play in the street. Right. Uh, but really, a lot of the danger is lurking online. So a path I know does a lot of work to raise awareness about Digital safety. Yes. Can you talk more about what that looks like? We're doing digital safety presentations. We like to get into the schools with those uh, youth groups. Um, and actually, to follow up with the work we're doing with La Casita and then the, the UofL conference, we're going to be doing some work with Adelante Hispanic here in Louisville. Oh, nice. And we're going to be doing work with them during uh, February and this, for this whole purpose. We're going to be working with those youth who, and we're going to talk about the digital mm. safety. So we're going to educate the parents of how this can happen. And then the youth of what it might look like for them where they're not suspecting at all. Mm. Now, what we know with this population we're going to be working with, these are the immigrants. These are, are the people who've come here from South America. And um, many of them have walked here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally, but, uh, Adelante is is working with them. It, it, that's another word for forward and to move these people forward. So we feel that's an important issue that needs to be explained to them. So the digital safety, yes, we like to talk about that as, with every opportunity we can. We have some programs for that as well. You talked about how PATH was founded by um, some of these religious sisters. What's the role of faith-based organizations in, in tackling this issue today? Well, we're not a faith-based organization. Those were the origins, and I like to give that those women credit because I think they were the leadership mm. that brought this forward. Mm. They started the conversation, mm. and that evolved into the nonprofit. We are a nonprofit. We don't think of ourselves as a faith-based, yeah. and so we're we're uh, very broad in the in that sense. I see that role as uh, being able to um, educate with opportunities, and we're not making a profit. <laughs> we are barely <laughs> getting by. <laughs> in fact, some of my big tasks this year are going to be really promoting and educating some donations yeah. that help us promote uh, the staff that we need to work with us and yeah. do these programs. Yeah. Certainly uh, there's a pastoral role though in human trafficking awareness raising uh, for, for, for faith-based organizations to be aware of this issue when they're, when they're talking. Well, to yeah. Folks and and you're, it's kind of a fine line there when you're mm -hmm. talking about faith-based and, mm -hmm. and the nonprofit. I mean, it's, it's all coming out of that, need that many of us have yeah. to want to make the world a better place yeah, and, and that's a common interest and yeah. that's really kind of my own personal background that's moved me into all of this area as well yeah yeah i wonder the role too of other organizations besides path locally that are trying to address this in one way or another do you do you work in coalition with other organizations we're always looking for uh that's what we are is coalition yeah. <laughs> so we're it's looking for name. collaboration so we consider ourselves now a collaborator with Goodwill. Yeah. We consider That's ourselves nice, yeah. a collaborator with WellCare. 
and then our La Casita. Mm-hmm. So when we begin to work with these groups and invite us in to do the presentations, then then we see ourselves that we're collaborating together, yeah. and we we expand on that. Yeah. yeah. No, we we don't work alone. We are a coalition. We're always looking for those people who want who see a reason to work with this part of their mission and desire too. Well, we're nearing the end of our time. I, I want to make sure to give uh, space for anything we didn't uh, cover yet that you were hoping to talk about. Um, certainly, this issue of human trafficking has come up in the news nationally with, you know, governors from southern states putting migrants, on, vulnerable people on buses and sending them to D.C. or somewhere in the Northeast. Uh, you but, know, Justin, when that occurred, it's one of the most inhumane acts Unconscionable. That uh, it is unconscionable, uh, and I'm not going to get political here, but it is an unconscionable act to treat other human beings in such a way, yeah. and disrespectful, yeah. and and by loading people up who were vulnerable, who were in need of resources, in need of hum- humanity care, and taking them to a place in freezing weather. Mm. is is unconscionable mm. yes there is I, I i i can't even explain it yeah. i can't even explain <laughs> it yeah is there anything else sort of on the horizon in this issue that you're you're seeing coming and are, are concerned about um i mean it's been a like you said for 500 years it's been around but are there any new forms of human trafficking that we should be looking out for you know that's a great question um Creative people always have new forms. Right. (laughs) And and I can't even get into the criminal mind Um, uh, because it is a criminal mind that wants to exploit and take advantage in that way. Uh, I'm always kind of amazed when I learn of cases and ways that people have have been uh, violated of their human rights and respect. Um, So... What's coming, I I couldn't even begin to predict, Mm. Um, but I do keep my eyes and ears open all the time for when I I hear of situations that are clearly, clearly someone has used another person uh, for their own benefit in in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this really important work of of raising awareness uh, and educating us. Here during January, National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month, uh, this is the time for us to open our eyes and look and not look away, right? Absolutely, and not look away. This is a, a fight, a social justice issue, and it is a fight. You know, I'm fully aware it's been going on 50 years. I've seen it personally, yeah. and I think we have a very long way to go. But the more we know and the more people that know, then we do make small steps. Thank you, Dr. Hayden, for joining us today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you very much for having us. Absolutely. All right, people, be sure to go to the show notes at forwardradio.org. Take your slavery footprint uh, calculator, figure out how you are engaged daily in this issue, and get involved in PATH. The PATH uh, is People Against Trafficking Humans Coalition of Kentucky. Learn more at pathcoalitionofky.org and join them for the upcoming events uh, this Thursday the 19th with La Casita Center. And again, January 24th is the Human Trafficking 101 Workshop online uh, at 5 p.m. Open to everyone. You can learn more at louisville.edu slash sustainability. And stay tuned for more in your calendar of events this week. There's a lot to do to get engaged in sustainability. So stay tuned, my friends.
here on sustainability now with me justin mogg i hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and you're ready to take action for sustainability as martin luther king jr would have liked us to do the struggle for justice is certainly not over we have lots of work to do let's get to it this week i hope you've had a great martin luther king jr day and are ready for action so coming up on thursday january 19th it's your opportunity to get the shovel in the ground and get some trees planted it is that time of year my friends when the trees need to go in the ground it is the dormant season and trees louisville would love your help with some tree plantings coming up on thursday january 19th they'll be out at the bon air neighborhood kentucky transportation cabinet property there by the highway from 1 to 3 p.m and you can help us plant about 20 trees out at that kytc site near the Waterson Expressway on Thursday at 1 p.m. And they'll also be doing another tree planting on the 26th out at Alpha Kappa Alpha House in Shively at 10.30 a.m., planting 30 trees on that property. If you'd like to volunteer for either or to learn more, just contact Morgan at treeslouisville.org, and you can learn more about the organization at treeslouisville.org. Again, it's this Thursday the 19th. 1 to 3 p.m. at uh, the Waterson Expressway uh, in the Bon Air neighborhood there uh, out along Bardstown Road, I imagine. All right, coming up, uh, as we mentioned, January being National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month, PATH is co-sponsoring a cross-cultural hospitality training with La Casita Center this Thursday, January 19th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's uh, online, and you can register by Tuesday, January 17th at uh, bit.ly, B-I-T L-Y slash, get your pencils out, 3-V-0-M-3-W-H, B-I-T dot L-Y slash 3-V-0-M-3-W-H to register by Tuesday the 17th for the January 19th, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. cross-cultural hospitality training. It's a focused on cultural sensitivity for those providing services to a diverse and multicultural audience, including information on local cultural awareness and tools for best practices based on the firsthand experience of a local nonprofit for the immigrant and Latinx community. And also later uh, in the month, as we mentioned, UofL is going to be hosting a Human Trafficking 101 workshop. That'll be on January 24th, 5 to 7 p.m. online. You can learn more about that and register for it at louisville.edu slash sustainability. Now, also, I wanted to let you know that Vision Zero Louisville has issued a legislation watch with respect to automated enforcement. The Vision Louisville Task Force, Vision Zero Louisville, task force is a 
collaborative effort among representatives from multiple government departments, transportation agencies, advocacy groups, healthcare organizations, universities, and law enforcement agencies. The Vision Zero Task Force meets monthly and is open to the public. Starting in January this month, the task force technical team, which includes transportation planners, engineers, and researchers, will meet every other month. So join us for our next virtual meeting on Friday, January 20th from 1 to 2 p.m. Our guest speaker on Friday will be State Representative Rachel Rorex, a Democrat from the 38th District, discussing her newly filed automated enforcement bill filed at the start of the Kentucky General Assembly regular session. Citizens, of course, can share their opinions about the bill with their Kentucky legislators. Over 20 states utilize red light cameras, speed safety cameras, or both uh, forms of technology. And it really does, uh, in those states, uh, reduce running of red red lights and speeding. However, under current state law, automated enforcement is prohibited. A coalition of legislators, transportation safety advocates, and transportation officials have been working to change that. Since 2019, at least four bills enabling some form of automated enforcement have been proposed in the Kentucky General Assembly. Although those bills were not successful, the recent World Day of Remembrance for road traffic victims reminds us of the need for tools like speed safety cameras, which are proven to reduce traffic fatalities and serious injuries. Louisville Metro Council recently passed a resolution supporting state-enabling legislation. So for more information and a link to join the Vision Zero Task Force, go to louisvilleky.gov government and search for Vision Zero. louisvilleky.gov government, search for Vision Zero. Again, the meeting is this Friday the 20th from 1 to 2 p.m. online. Also on Friday the 20th at 6 p.m., it's the Louisville Association for Community Economics inaugural fundraiser, a night for a great cause. It's going to be out at the Louisville Slugger Museum in downtown Louisville at 800 West Main Street. The Louisville Association for Community Economics invites you to their inaugural fundraiser featuring a buffet dinner, drinks, and entertainment. Help us improve food access and finally build the Louisville Community Grocery in Smoketown by purchasing a ticket to attend the event or donating. Individual tickets are $75, and individuals or groups can sponsor a table for eight people for $600. You can email tiffany.brown at lace.coop for event sponsorship opportunities or any questions. You're able to donate straight to Lace through their Eventbrite page as well. So it's a great option for those who would still like to support Lace in the event but are unable to attend. You can learn more and purchase your tickets at louisvillecommunitygrocery.com. Now, coming up on Saturday at 9 a.m., it's the next in the series of Meet Your Legislators at Cafe Louie happening at our public libraries January through March. Whether your state and local legislators are newly elected or returning representatives, you can stop by Cafe Louie to meet them face-to-face. Listen to what's on their agenda for 2023, ask questions, and let them know what issues are on your mind in the new year. Cafe Louie is hosted by the Friends of the Library and the Library Foundation 
Foundation, and it's held on Saturdays at 9 a.m. at different library locations each week. When you arrive, you can grab a cup of free Heine Brothers coffee and fill out a note card with your specific questions. After a brief introduction of elected officials and special guests, a trained facilitator will direct your questions to officials for comment and discussion. In order to better serve you and the time allowed for discussion, questions and and answers, we ask that you consider submitting your questions now. Uh, all Cafe Louie meetings begin at 9 a.m. Stick around after the event for additional programming available at some branch locations. Register to vote with the League of Women Voters. Sign up to be a friend of the library or just visit your local branch and check out a good book. It's a great thing to do. And coming up this Saturday, January 21st, the Cafe Louie will be out at two locations. The Fairdale Library at 10620 West. West Manslick Road and the Crescent Hill Library at 2762 Frankfurt Avenue. And it continues again through the end of March. So you can learn more at lfpl.org. Also coming up on Saturday, the 21st at 10 a.m., it is Squirreling Around at the Louisville Nature Center. Did you know January 21st is National Squirrel Appreciation Day? Well, squirrels belong to a family that consists of about 280 different species. North America has 65 species of squirrel. Five of them are found in Kentucky. From the most common eastern gray squirrel to the rarely seen southern flying squirrel, these nutty forest friends are always a joy to watch. Join Jacob as you explore Beargrass Creek State Nature Preserve and catch our resident squirrels leaping, climbing, and scurrying around. You can get your tickets for the Saturday 10 a.m. to noon hike out at the Louisville Nature Center by going to louisvillenaturecenter.org. Also on Saturday the 21st, you're going to have to pick one of these, my friends, but out at Bernheim, they're going to have a guided, a new guided hike conservation in practice and this one is focused on prairie establishment and management on saturday the 21st from 9 to 10 30 a.m it's new this year you can join their natural areas team on these guided hikes to see bernheim's conservation work in action each place-based stewardship hike will explore a different ecosystem that demonstrates best practices of forest stewardship this Saturday, hikers will explore prairie and grassland habitat with Evan Patrick, Natural Areas Manager. While hiking through Bernheim's 40-acre Big Prairie, participants will learn how Bernheim stewards establishes and manage manages high-quality, thriving prairie habitat. Home to insects, migratory songbirds, mammals, birds of prey, and hundreds of grassland plant species, the Bernheim team uses many management techniques to keep this habitat functional and beautiful. You can learn more about Saturday's 9 a.m. guided conservation and practice hike at Bernheim.org. And also coming up Saturday in the afternoon, you don't have to choose. You can do the hike and do this. Come on out for the next Metro Louisville neighborhood tree planting. It's going to be on Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. at Ruble Park at 60, uh, 667 Barrett Avenue. Uh, Louisville Metro Parks invites you to join us for this fun afternoon of tree planting. We'll be planting about 50 trees to make Louisville a little greener. Tools, gloves, and guidance are provided by the Urban Forestry Team. No experience is necessary. Groups and families are always welcome. In the event of rain on Saturday, the project will take place on Sunday from 1 to 4. All signed-up volunteers will be notified of any changes in advance, so sign up today using the My Impact app, and you can find the link to register at bestparksever.com. Again, it's Saturday. 
Saturday from 1 to 4 at Rubel Park off of East Broadway. And that's uh, just the start of a series that continues every other week. On February 4th, they'll be out on East Jacobs Street in Smoketown and with several other plantings throughout February and March and April in the Smoketown area. It is a great time to get out there and plant some trees with us. Um, And also, I wanted to let you know that coming up on Sunday, January 22nd, the Kentucky Conservation Committee is having their annual legislative summit and annual meeting. It's going to be Sunday the 22nd from 1 to 4.30 p.m. in Frankfurt in person at the Kentucky State University, or you can join them virtually from wherever you are. The Kentucky Conservation Committee invites you for a Sunday afternoon, both in person at KSU or via Zoom, on key conservation and environmental issues to provide you with all the necessary tools to be an effective citizen activist during the 2023 Kentucky General Assembly and beyond. We will discuss continuing and emerging environmental issues before the Kentucky legislature, and we'll also provide advocacy resources for a wide range of sustainability issues impacting Kentucky. Morgan McGarvey, the former state senator and minority leader, and now incoming U.S. representative-elect from Louisville, will be the keynote speaker this year. Sessions will include a broad look at the anticipated topics of the 2023 General Assembly, related federal legislative issues, basic training on ways for citizens to engage as a citizen lobbyist, plus tips on how to be more effective with your legislative advocacy in a virtual world. The summit will also cover a wide range of issues, including energy democracy, including updates on renewable energy, wildland updates and farmland conservation, updates on the challenges to socially responsible investing, environmental impacts of cryptocurrency mining, biodiversity issues, toxics, and more. Included will be an overview of bills that are already filed in the General Assembly or anticipated to be, along with KCC's analysis and recommendations for action. Again, federal initiatives that are ripe for local action and emerging conservation issues in the state. Uh, so you want to learn more, you want to participate, get your tickets now. It's uh, at kyconservation.org for the Sunday, 1 to 4.30 p.m. Legislative Summit and Annual Meeting in Frankfurt or virtually kyconservation.org. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week and I'll be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Y se la pasa toda la noche moliendo café